Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to the HP Podcast, episode number, I knew what episode number it was a minute ago, 244? That's a long time we've been doing the show. I'm here today with Dave. Dave, hello, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to hold back a cough is what I'm trying to do. During <laughs> <laughs> the introduction? <laughs> I haven't coughed all day, and then as soon as you threw me, it's like tickling my throat. Um, I'm doing good. I'm not sick. Uh, nothing like that. Uh, yeah, happy to see you guys. Happy to be live for the second week in a row. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good day. It's a good day. Brandon is also here with us. Brandon, you're looking exceptionally pale today. Oh, dude, I, I look exceptionally pale every day. Um, <laughs> my skin often borders on transparent um, at times, um, so that's just kind of the life I live. I'm doing pretty good today. Glad to be here. Second week of live shows. Uh, boys, it's been one of those weeks where uh, it's only Tuesday. Uh, it, it feels like it should be Thursday, but it's only mm. Tuesday. So it's been one of those weeks for me so far. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm doing well, aside from being transparent, I suppose. Yeah. You actually don't look that bad. I just knew you were self-conscious about it, so I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing that you up specifically. You yeah, before yeah. the show, and I was like, I'm just going to... Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, this show is now going to be live on video, as well as always on audio. Last week, I was extremely sick uh, and very dizzy, and I basically passed out right after the show and woke up a couple hours later and did some work. Um, so... I don't know if I fully explained that, but anyway, we are live every Tuesday night, seven o'clock. Uh, ben is handsome. YT YouTube channel. Um, that's that's what we're doing. If you want to listen to it on audio, you're still welcome to do that. If you want to see us live, you can do that. If you want to see the VOD, you can do that. It's all totally up to you. Now, boys, I want to start off the show with a little show and tell. Our uh, our buddy Dustin went to um went to japan a little please while tell ago. me this is what i think it is it is not what you think it is <laughs> oh, i was really hoping <laughs> i was really hoping that's okay <laughs> <laughs> it is not a tega um but dustin bought me and as you know like in japan games are so cheap there especially if you go buy them at like the right stores not the tourist stores uh, but he bought me 
uh, Crash Bandicoot. And, and if you're watching a video, you can see this. If you're not on audio, you can imagine it. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3. Oh, my uh, God. Minty, minty condition. The Japanese versions Gorgeous. for the PS1. Um, so that is my treasure this week. I'm, uh, I'm very excited by those. I don't know that I'll ever play them because they're in Japanese. Um, but I have them, and that's what being American's all about, is having stuff you'll never use. Exactly. So just just quickly, the, the original PS1 that would have been sold in North America, were they region-free, or no. w- would you need a Japanese PlayStation to play that game? You would either need a Japanese PlayStation, or there are some soft mods, I think specifically some um, some mods related to memory cards that will allow you to play Japanese or region-locked games. Um I may do that. Like he, he told me, he's like, if you want, I can, I can help you mod a, a chip for it. And I was like, I, I'm sure I can figure it out if I want to do that. But honestly, I just kind of like having them. Um, I don't know if I ever actually want to play them. Maybe Even the, the Japanese box art alone makes it cool to just look oh, at. Oh, it's so. so cool, man. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Dude, I didn't bring over what Dustin got me, but I, I do have one of the things, actually. I forgot to tell you about this one. Oh, oh God. No. <laughs> That seems like something he would buy you. Can you describe it for the audio listeners? Uh, a lady in a bikini. Uh, a little a little tiny statue of a lady it's an, in a bikini. I was going to say, please clarify that it's a statue. It And then it came with this little guy. It's like a oh, little... Wow. I think Brandon just had man. that before. Dustin didn't buy it. He like went out and bought it on like a Wednesday. <laughs> I would own it. I, I would absolutely own it. I'm not ashamed. It, in fact, now this has probably awakened something in me. Now I must have more. I don't um, think it awakened anything in you. I think that was always living and alive. Inside yeah. you, you know me too well. Yeah. You know me too well. I got another statue, but it's across the room. Okay. Is it as titillating as those? You know what? Bear with me. Keep talking. Okay. I, I, Dave, uh, I guess Brandon can still hear us because he's got wireless headphones, but uh, YouTube has a thing where like in the first like minute of your of your video, you can't have anything too profane. So I think we missed that with the statue. Oh, fuck. Um, Oh, nice. Try. Okay, so it's a little... Describe it once again, because I don't know anything about... This is Mikama from Chainsaw Man. Ma- she's Makama. Makima. She's one, of the, uh, she's one of the main characters. She's super yeah. cool, though. She's badass. Nice. Well, this is the HP Podcast, where we um, talk about Dustin going to Japan. Dave got nothing, because he lives in a different country, basically. So he's already basically in Japan, uh, compared to us. <laughs> Um, but you can go <laughs> over if you want to help support the show. If you want to be our friend, you can go over to patreon.com slash phantom to support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, if you're on the audio feed, you get that ad free early access. We might modify that a little bit. I keep talking about that uh, for the potential of the, the, the new arrangement with the video as well. We'll see who knows if you have suggestions, you can drop them in the discord over at handsomephantom.com slash discord. Come there, hang out with us. Uh, chill out, talk about feet for some reason. Like, I don't know why anyone would ever talk about feet. We've never done that on this show, so <laughs> I don't really know why that's a thing. Um, speaking of feet, you know what I was thinking about? When oh, you're what? No. When you're like... It's a weird segue. Dude, oh, no. I'll tell you what. It's kind of related to feet. Dave and, and, and Brandon. Brandon, I've been to your house, so I, I, I understand the ambiance. But Dave, I've I've... You know, we've hung out in person. You've come to town and stayed with me. I've stayed in like Airbnbs with you in different cities, whatever. I've never been to your home. And that's fine. I don't, you know, you're like I said, you're across the world from me, basically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> up there in Toronto. But um, you ever have like a, a phone conversation with, or like a, a work conversation with somebody on video? And you're like, 
Man, I wonder what it smells like in that room. Like, what if, like, your room looks really, really nice, but what if it just smelled like shit? Yeah, so uh, in in sort of that post-COVID world, working from yeah. home, you, you have a lot of Zoom and Teams meetings and stuff, so you're constantly on video with people. Yeah. And sometimes people have the virtual backgrounds, but other people just don't. And you can see into people's houses, and you're like, it's easy to tell who has kids, who has dogs. It's the people who just have crap. Like, yeah. they just have tons of shit. And I don't know if my background looks junky, because I know there's a lot kind of behind me, but the people who, to me. it looks like they are just, like, bombarded with stuff. And I, I just, I look at their cameras, and I look at them, and I can smell musk through the camera. It's <laughs> just what I smell. <laughs> I smell like a, a thrift store. You know when you go into a thrift store, and it just smells like people's clothes? Yeah. Mothballs, that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. So totally know what you mean. Absolutely. It's pretty gross. I'm going to admit, I'm going to say it's pretty gross. Yeah. Well, let's start talking about some video games, I suppose. We got a lot of news items. Hopefully, we'll be able to move through them pretty quick. We try to keep the show to around an hour, well, maybe a little longer. And tonight, hopefully, will be no different. But we will see. Uh, first up, let's talk about one of our favorite things, Game Pass. I, I don't know if that's really one of our favorite things or not, but... Game Pass price increases. Number one, Phil Spencer, CEO of Microsoft Gaming, attended the Tokyo Game Show in 2023, or that was last week, and shared some insights in a recent interview. Here are some key points. Number one, Game Pass success. Spencer mentioned that Game Pass is performing well, especially with the launch of Starfield and the upcoming release of Forza Motorsport. Microsoft has achieved its goal of regularly delivering big titles on a subscription service. That's what the article said, and I just copied it over. I don't know if they've achieved that quite yet, but maybe they'll get there. Number two, Game Price Game Pass price increase. When asked about the possibility of another Game Pass price increase in the future, Phil Spencer stated that it is inevitable. He emphasized the importance of providing value even with the price increases and mentioned that the previous price hike was made after careful consideration. He updated this on Starfield, saying that the significance of updating Starfield to maintain player subscriptions and engagement was important. Bethesda Game Studios is actively working on updates for the game. And then he talked about Japan Studio collaborations, Microsoft collaborating with Japanese studios to develop new games for Xbox. That's been a big push we've seen in recent uh, months and years, especially. But I want to go to you guys to mostly talk about, you know, I don't I don't know who would have to be living under a rock to not know that it was coming, but the potential of game price, game pass price increases. And Dave, as the only one of the three of us currently that has the willpower to sub and unsub from game pass when it suits you, let's start with you and get your thoughts on the service. Uh, just real quick. First off, Benji in the chat asking what the worst smelling video game world would be. And I have to get this up before I forget oh, high God. on life and Yarnum. though. Those two <laughs> probably smell pretty bad. Um, high on life. My God. <laughs> yeah. The the price increase doesn't bother me too much. I think overall the value that you're getting for Game Pass is still probably the best in the industry. And as long as Microsoft keeps delivering their big IP, their first party IP um, day one on Game Pass, I think that value is going to be there even a few more price increases down the line. So um, the price increase doesn't bother me too much. Um, I think this this day one IP needs to continue because it is what is giving Microsoft that competitive advantage over other subscription service, specifically PS Plus. But I think every day the gap between PS Plus and Game Pass gets smaller. Um, and I think, you know, Microsoft acquiring Activision and having the ability to have bigger and better games day one on Game Pass is going to certainly help them, but they can't get complacent because PlayStation Plus is getting 
really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of looking at the pricing strategies themselves, like we've seen very kind of conflicting pricing strategies. I think Sony's tried to set their bar fairly high, whereas Game Pass seemed to come in fairly low. And I think the better, you know, PS Plus gets, uh, the more attractive it's going to be at that price point. But they kind of like, I think, wanted to set their price intentionally high so they wouldn't have to increase it again for a long time. Whereas Microsoft seems to be playing a little bit of catch up. And in either case, I still think Game Pass is a really, really good value, but they really got to maintain that that current pace. And I don't know how sustainable it is. Um, you know, there's going to be a little bit more talk later in the show about um, maybe some speculation about what that revenue generation actually looks like from both a publisher perspective and a developer perspective. But um, yeah, Microsoft has set a pretty high expectation for themselves. So again, price increase, not a big deal, but they really, really got to kind of keep it going, keep the momentum up. Brandon, uh, they just, within the last couple of months, increased it a little bit after it being basically the same price since it, uh, it started. Uh, what do you think the timeline for this looks, this looks like? And also, what uh, what's the number before you're out? Oh, man. Well, I'll start with this. I do think that game price overall is an amazing value. And to be truthful with you guys, I am honestly, part of me is surprised that it's not more expensive than it is already. Um, I don't know what the magic price would be. Um, I think that if it were a couple dollars higher, I would be inclined to dip in and out as a smart man would. Or to at least like think about it. Right. Rather than just paying the subscription. Exactly. But they've... They've kind of made it clear that there's a huge push to continue to bring big, big titles, like Dave said, to bring day ones. Um, I saw today that, or, or maybe yesterday, that Phil was in Japan um, with Hideo Kojima, which is really awesome to see. There's clearly some um, good blood between the two and maybe some synergy for the future. Um, that, and I saw something recently. Now, I can't really uh, back it with any facts, but I, I swear I saw that like Black Ops 2 or something, somewhere there was like a message in the Xbox store that said that um, it would be included with with your premium subscription. So that makes me wonder if they are gaming up to kind of get the Call of Duties on the Game Pass franchise, as, as I would assume they would be. Um, so between, you know, Kojima Studios, between Call of Duty, it isn't surprising that we are going to see more price increases. Um, and as Dave said, we're kind of uh the bar was kind of low um at the beginning um and the value is there so i don't know what the price is going to be that's going to make me hop out but um it's going to keep going up and that's just the way it's going to go um we're working towards a future where instead of buying games ever um depending on what you want to play you're probably just gonna want to do a subscription about 70 percent of the time so i don't know it has its pros and cons and as a physical dude um you know, it's kind of sad for me, but yeah, we'll see. It could be more, and I probably still would still would buy it. So, yeah, I think it all depends on what you want to play at the time and what's on the service. I was thinking about it recently, and I was like, granted, I have a bunch of like, I had a bunch of like uh, purchases at discounted prices saved up. So like my my subscription has been going for a while and still has like close to a year left on it. I think, but I've always said like, oh, I'm just always on Game Pass, and I don't know that that's actually true like obviously if they jacked it up to 50 bucks a month then i would at least have to like consider it but i was like man i probably have wasted a lot of money on game pass and then i realized like no there's been games that i've like desperately wanted to play that i've played on there 
there's never been like a full month where I haven't played anything. And there's been games that like, for instance, Power Wash Simulator. Now, that game is a game that appeals to me, but would I have dropped, what is it, 30, 40 bucks on it? Probably not, but it's on Game Pass, and I think I've got like 50 or 60 hours in it at this point. And I think I even, I, I definitely even bought a DLC. So I think Game Pass for me is like one of those things that it's not a matter of how much is too much. It's a matter of will I consistently find things to play on it? Because honestly, like, are there even $20 games anymore? Really? Like real games? Like not just like arcade games? Really old um, ones. Yeah, there's older games. <laughs> when they go on like, sale. I like to play new games. So for yeah. me, like, I don't know. It could probably hit 30 and I'd, I'd maybe start thinking about it or like actually measuring my time. But yeah. That's I mean, truthfully, funny. after Motorsport comes out, like once I'm done tinkering around with that, I, I don't know that there's going to be much more that I want on Game Pass for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, so after I'm done with that, I, I mean, who knows if yeah. I'll even be having it. So you're going to be playing motorsport for like six months though. That's true. I, I honestly should probably do what I did with, um, horizon and just straight out buy it and yeah. kind of just save myself some money. But yeah, you never know. Never know what happens. Moving on to number two, Capcom potentially raising prices, or at least talking about it. Number two, Capcom CEO believes game prices should go up due to rising development costs and the need for competitive wages. He highlighted that the development expenses have surged while game prices have not kept pace. Capcom traditionally priced games at $60, but this suggests potential future price hikes. The $70 price point for AAA games has faced criticism, and Capcom might consider similar increases. Now, this isn't something we need to spend a ton of time on, but um, seems pretty obvious, right? Like, games have been either $60 for a full full price game for, like, what, 15 years now since the 360 (laughs) switched over? A long Um, time. And before that, like, it was not... Like it was mid nineties since they were over 50 yeah. um, before that, it was the wild west. Like things could be $80 or $170, depending on, like you could buy a, an SNES cartridge and it could be like $75 in 1996. But I digress. Um, Dave thoughts on Capcom raising prices or just the industry in general, like our prices going to keep going up. Yeah. I mean, they, they just did. Um, you know, with this this current generation, we bumped up by ten dollars uh, here in Canada. Uh, uh, a AAA full price game is eighty nine ninety nine, so I'm paying just over a hundred dollars after tax um, for a game, and I'm okay with that. Um, I, I realize that games at full price have not really scaled with inflation, and even at like a hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, considering that most games these days are, are going to have you engage for 20 to 40 hours. Um, that's a pretty good value per hour. Um, you know, we've talked about the comparison between like a TV show or uh, a movie. Um, and I think it's, you're still really getting your money's worth. The problem is, is I think in today's market, um, if it isn't free to play and if, if it's not, a day one on a subscription service, then I think we as consumers kind of scrutinize it a little bit more differently. Um, I know now that like subconsciously when I see a trailer for a new game at the game awards or something like that, one of the first questions I ask myself when, you know, I'm looking for that day one on game pass or something, or, you know, if it's a, if it's a live service game, then, you know, I'm curious, is it free to play? Because if it isn't, 
then, you know, we, we seem to kind of look at things a little bit different. I'm saying we, but I'm talking about myself, but I suspect I'm not the only one who started to think that way. Um, this kind of shift to this subscription model, I think has really hurt the full price game. And unless you're a triple a banger, like, uh, you know, something first party from Sony, then it's, it's a really, really hard sell these days, even though you're getting dozens and dozens of hours of content. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree that prices can go up and you're still getting good value, but at the same time, I, I just don't know if the market's as accepting of, of just the straight up, um, full price price tag anymore. So it's, I don't know, it could kind of go either way, but it's, uh, it's an interesting discussion topic for sure. Brandon, in a world where we hear rumors, probably false, but rumors about GTA 6 costing $150. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Where do you see yourself landing? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a bit of an outlier. I mean, and a real, uh, just another add-on to that. Does this make subscription services, even at a higher price, more valuable? See, that is a tough question because it's kind of there's kind of two sides to the coin. We are very lucky that game prices haven't went up um, substantially in any way in the past 10 to 15 years. Um, but they honestly could. And I think they will. Um, you know, $10 wasn't that big of a hike and everyone was all upset about that. But when we're talking about even things like GTA, I mean, what did it cost? $2 billion roughly. I mean, it's been in development for 10 years. Um, but uh, a side of this argument that I keep not seeing, and I think is overall the correct answer to this problem that we're having, is that game development needs to slightly scale down. Um, I think there's like, there's one side of this to where, you know, we have 130 hour stories. Like I would pay $120 for Baldur's Gate 3 and I would be happy with that. But some games, in from my point of view, don't need to be that much don't need to be all encompassing. And I feel like we never choose the option, which is to scale down game development and let's have a super tight 20 hour story like Spider-Man and charge $60, $70 for it and then be done with it. I feel like sometimes with these big studios, they will be prone to give you as much as you can when sometimes we can keep the price low and have good value at a good price. And yeah. I feel like I don't see people talking about that very much, but I feel like that's also something in game, game development as it keeps growing and growing and growing and costs keep going up. It's just like, at what point do we say, hey, let's let's take a step back? Um, and I feel like that's honestly what some studios should do, and they'd probably put out better games for it. That's a really good point, dude. And I think the the additional piece to that is that I thought for a little while, and I guess we still do to some extent, but I thought for a little while we were going to start getting this model where it was like, this is last generation. Okay, if it's a full price game, you know, if it's a big, if it, a AAA, whatever, it's $60. If it's not, you can expect it to be like 40 bucks. Right. And that feels a lot better for a eight to 10 hour game or whatever. And that's great. But I gladly We really played. haven't started seeing that though. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, and stuff like Stray. Let's take Stray as like the perfect example. And I said it when Stray came out. Stuff that's of that caliber is perfect at its price point. And I feel like most companies don't want to shoot for that. I don't know if it's because they think that bigger always sells. But I mean, Stray was nominated for Game of the Year. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know. It's just... That was a petty nomination. I yeah. know. But, you know, 
it was a weak year, but the statement yeah. stands. It's like, how many nominations did it get aside from that? So, sure. I mean, there can be value added by not always making things a bigger and bigger production. Like sometimes smaller things can be sweeter. Um, and I feel like a lot of the times these big studios don't really understand that. They just want to keep pumping more and more and more money into that. And I think that's one of the best ways in the most consumer friendly ways to stop this game price increase is to just regroup almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Josh Cummings in the chat says premium editions are charging $100 plus. I could see GTA at that at least. And you're right, Josh. Yeah, I'm talking about just the base edition, but I could easily, easily see a special edition uh, like, you know, the, the second tier of the 16 special editions that they have costing 150 for GTA 6 oh, or dude, any game for that matter. Some of them are like over $200, like pushing, you know, like 250 or something like that yeah. with statues. Most and, of the time those come with statues, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that isn't merited, but yeah, I don't know. I guess we're just mostly talking about like base games. Yeah. But uh, sorry, I just got to add this in because I I think there are a lot of people out there who play one game. There's a lot of people who only play Fortnite. There's a lot of people who only play GTA, uh, Destiny, and like companies like Bungie, they they have seen how much people will spend on their game. So like they bought it day one and they've played it ever since or, you know, they've come in you know, after certain seasons have gone on and maybe put over $200 into the game. Uh, same thing with Fortnite and a lot of these games. So I think like the delivery models have changed how much people are willing to pay games. And I think publishers are seeing that, yes, we will pay a lot more for these games because we're playing them a lot longer. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, staying on the topic of pricing, I guess, uh, let's talk about the Resident Evil 4 remake for mobile. The RE4 remake for mobile devices has stirred some controversy due to its pricing. While the game may be available for free to download, it will offer in-app purchases, and the Resident Evil 4 with bonus option is priced at approximately $60 on the App Store. This pricing has raised eyebrows as it's significantly higher than what mobile games typically cost. The game's listing specifies that only a limited part of the base game can be played for free, and in-app purchases and, and an in-app purchase is required to access, access the full game. It's not clear how much the game will be available for free, but it's likely to include only a portion, probably what they did for the Chainsaw demo, if I had to guess. Uh, there will be other additional add-on purchases available, including an extra DLC pack. And of course, um, lots of people are upset. I personally think it's a good thing, but Brandon. Yeah, I, you go first. Do they think they're getting a different game than <laughs> is on the console? See, because I'm confused and like, you know, I feel like on the internet, we're so prone to just whatever comes to the front of our mind instantly is that, oh, it's a phone game. It's a phone game. It's a phone game. It can't be $60. But is it on a phone? Yes. Is it a phone game? I mean, by this standard, I suppose so. But it's it's the same game. You're not paying more. I don't understand this because by the time it comes out, it may actually be more because of discounts and everything. But that well, that's a different story. It's a different platform. Still, yeah, still. Unless you're going to get it on discount at a retailer, at that at that rate, you might as well play it on a different system. But you know, whether or not you'd be getting an optimal experience is a different um, discussion altogether. But yeah, I just genuinely don't understand the outrage at this. Um, I can understand how off the cuff this might seem kind of. Um, kind of abrasive paying for $60 paying $60 for something on a phone when typically things are, you know, 
in the $10 or less category for phones can be weird, but you are paying, uh, you're paying for a full experience. Um, and yeah, that doesn't seem outlandish to me. Um, and I don't really understand the discourse around this. Dave, with, uh, with such a big push from the big companies towards uh, playing games on your phone, cloud gaming, we now have the ability to add in controllers and stuff like that. Like, do you think like for a full, this is a triple A game, um, $60 full price, reasonable. I think looking at just Resident Evil, Resident Evil four remake itself. Um, I think I'm okay with the price. Um, as you said, this is a, this is a triple A experience. This is going to be the worst way to play it, but at the end of the day, it's still a triple A experience. I don't know how it's going to compete though, because we also have things like, uh, Diablo immortal on your phone and, and things like Marvel snap, which again, not as an immersive experience, but, um, yeah, I, I'm glad somebody's trying it because it's going to be interesting to see how it's received. But I, I, I also, when I take a step back and kind of look at it subjectively, it, I don't really get it because you, you kind of alluded to something there, Ben, with cloud gaming. And, um, you know, I don't know if this is the case with Resident Evil 4 Remake, but with a lot of these AAA games, I can stream them to devices such as this with a controller. And uh, it's it's kind of a different experience because I have it on my console as well as on my mobile device. So I don't really get it. I don't know who this is for. Mm-hmm. Um but as I said, it's never been done before, so that's not necessarily a reason to not do it. So I'm curious to see how this is going to work out. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I think it's Capcom can't lose because, right. you know, the game's already made. It probably costs very little to get it onto phone. So why not? I don't think it's going to work, but who knows? Yeah. I, Go ahead, Brandon. No, I was going to say... I- I mean, realistically, at this point, and, you know, I saw someone joking about this online. They were like, oh, my God, this uh, this is more powerful than the Switch. And they're absolutely right. It's it, the new iPhone is significantly more powerful than the Switch, but it also costs like fifteen hundred dollars um, where the Switch costs like three hundred. Um, but I, I do think that people don't people don't realize how much phones cost because so many plans subsidize them. Right. Or like you pay monthly for two years instead of buying right. all at once. But I agree with you. Yeah. But it's very expensive. And yeah. I think the sweet spot for this, much like the switch is it's like, will it be the optimal way to play something? Probably not. Will most experiences on the switch be the most optimal way, way to play it? Maybe not. But honestly, if you only have a phone and you really want to play resident evil, this is amazing for some people. I mean, truthfully, I don't know that you're going to have an iPhone, a brand new iPhone and not be able to afford anything else. But you never know. Like you said, Ben, it's like maybe maybe that's all you can afford. Uh, and I think that's kind of where it's at is it's just like, why not? Um, Dave, you, you said something that the three of us have all said multiple times in the last couple of years about specifically mobile gaming. And it was, I don't know who this is for. And we've all said it multiple times. And it turns out mobile is booming. So apparently this is for a lot of people that just happen to not be us or anyone. We yeah, know. I was saying not for I, us. Apparently, I don't it, though. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand the appeal of playing. Like I'm playing. I'll talk about it later. But I'm playing Monster Hunter now. That's fine. But I don't want to play like that's a game that's meant for mobile. I don't want to like I have. Again, I guess it's for people who don't have or don't have time or don't have consoles or don't have a PC or whatever. But like, I've got a nice TV. I've got, you know, giant monitors on my computer. I I just don't get it. But there is obviously a gigantic mobile market out there that 
hey, maybe a $60 premium game is exactly what they're looking for. I don't know. We'll see. Dude, Grandma spent $3,000 on <laughs> Candy Crush. She is definitely excited to play RE4 on her phone. That That is nothing. It pales into comparison to the to the credit card debt she's racked up from uh, that Candy Crush. So the Benji in chat says, iPhone 15s are already reporting running hot. I saw I that. I can't wait to see how hot it gets running this. I hadn't seen that, but that's Dude, interesting for sure. I, not to go off on a tangent, but I've seen a couple pretty questionable things, and I'm up. I specifically waited to upgrade for this new iPhone for the USB-C, I'm and I too. saw that yeah. it is the weakest Ben test phone that this one guy on YouTube has ever done. It cracked from him just trying to this do a Ben. This one guy on YouTube. <laughs> dude, seriously, I saw it all over the place. His, his he name was, is Phone Crusher 29, but dude, it must be reliable. I wish I would have remembered the name, but he was like, I've been doing this with iPhones for like 10 years, and this is the only one that's ever failed this test. Wow. Um, and I did see that they were also reporting very, very hot. So that's crazy. Kind of making me think twice about the 15, but honestly, yeah. mine's like five years old now, and I think anything will be an upgrade. So, yeah, for sure. Dave, this one is very specifically targeted at you. Ubisoft has announced that Julian Garrity will become the executive producer for the division brand after the completion of Star Wars Outlaws. Among his initial responsibilities will be building a development team for Tom Clancy's The Division 3. Garrity, who served as an associate creative director on The Division and creative director on Division 2, will remain with the Star Wars project through its launch. Ubisoft aims to solidify the brand identity of the Division series, which includes new entries like The Division 3, spinoffs like Heartland and Resurgence and more. Dave, I know you're a big Division guy, um, long Division, short Division, whatever, you know, kind of Division, but uh, <laughs> they just kind of dropped that, hey, we're going to be making a Division 3, which not that anybody had a doubt, but... Uh, but it also seems like it's really far off. But anyway, tell me what you're thinking about this news. Yeah, I really like Julian Garrity. And um, I I was a little disappointed when I found out that he was being assigned to this Star Wars mm. project. But yeah. I think it's it really shows Ubisoft's confidence in him because you don't get many shots at Star Wars IP, yeah. um, especially as we've seen with kind of the way EA's fumbled some stuff and, and some other big publishers getting a shot at it. So... Um, yeah, I'm happy to see this. I really love the division. Um, I'm not a huge mobile guy, but I'm going to be playing Heartland. I think is the mobile one. Um, it looks really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I, I but again, I, I, I would like division like sooner new division. Um, and, uh, I think as you said, Ben, this is going to be quite a ways off, but, uh, yeah, I really like Julian Garrity and I really love this series. So this is, this is. Happy news for me. Star Wars Outlaws, that's the one we got a trailer for earlier yeah. this year with the. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, by the way, the mobile one is the Division Resur Resurgence. Resurgence, right. Yeah, like, the um, Heartland is a console PC yeah. release, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I don't think yeah. it's a full, like, a full release, though. Like, it's, I don't know, it's some other thing. Brandon, any thoughts on the Division or um, the, the timing of the Division 3? Yeah, no, I think it's good that they have somebody in there with some pedigree. Um, the Division 3 was kind of all but confirmed up until this point, but I guess it's good to see that we know for sure now um, they've always had pretty good success with this series, um, and it seems like they keep iterating off of it pretty well. So hopefully the, the Division 3 will be the one that gets me back in because I remember trying the Division 1. I think we might have even got a beta code like early, early Handsome Phantom days, um, and I enjoyed it then. I just never stuck with it. I think it's because nobody else was playing it. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, 
it, it always seemed super fun to me um, and didn't really miss out on it for any specific reasons. So I guess we'll see more soon. They sent us the Division 2 before release. And for whatever reason, I was playing it. Dave, might, maybe Dave wasn't around because I feel like Dave would have been the obvious choice for that. But anyway, uh, when the Division 2 came out and I got it pre-release and... Let me tell you, not only did I not have any of my friends to play with, I didn't have anybody to play with. Uh, and that game can be played solo, and it's fine, but I was like, this would definitely be a lot more fun with some friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in Division 3, for sure. Uh, Unity is backtracking. Surprise, surprise. Mark yes. Whitten, who leads Unity Create, issued an apology and an update regarding Unity's runtime fee policy in response to community feedback. Here are the key changes. Unity personal plan remains free with the cap raised from $100,000 to $200,000 and no requirement for the Made with Unity splash screen. No game with less than $1 million in trailing 12-month revenue will be subject to the fee. Unity Pro and Unity Enterprise will apply the runtime fee policy starting with the next LTS version of Unity. I don't know what LTS is, but Let's just pretend like we do. It sounds cool. Shipping in 2024 and beyond. Uh, Existing projects and games won't be affected unless upgraded to this new version. And then creators subject to the runtime fee can choose between a 2.5% revenue share or a calculated amount based on new player engagement. Always build at the lesser amount. Boys, we said it. Everybody in the world said it. Unity just came out with something super shitty just so they could backtrack and make This still isn't amazing. There's still some shit here. But this is way better than it was, what they came out with initially. And that's what we called. Dave, I think, specifically on this show is the one who said that initially, that they're just saying this stuff. They're just putting this out there to see if they can get away with it. And if they can't, they've got a backup plan. But Dave, um, what, do you, what do you think about Unity backtracking? And is anyone ever going to trust them again? Uh, no, I don't know. This... <laughs> Uh, this is a backtrack and I it's always good when you listen to feedback and you're willing to admit your mistakes and 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 make adjustments uh, but it doesn't seem like much of a backtrack there still seems to be a lot of room for kind of fuckery and revenue bombing and at the end of the day it, it seems like a shitty deal it's like you the better your game does the the more you're gonna be penalized for something and I cost of doing business, I guess, but it just, this doesn't seem like the norm and I don't understand why unity has a good thing going. And it's, I, I don't understand. Maybe I'm old fashioned, but I don't understand why you wouldn't just focus on making a really good engine and iterating it and, and making people want to like buy it and own it. Um, it, this feels like a car lease, you know, but people only really lease cars when they can write off the expense. So, right. I don't know. It's just it's it's an odd arrangement, and and again, it's good that they've acknowledged that this was a bit of a shitty move, but they haven't really backtracked to a point where I think they've they've fixed this. But I mean, the people will speak if if they don't like it, they won't be using their engine, and they they will stick to other engines. But yeah, I don't know. I'm still not crazy about this, and I don't think it's enough of a correction to really make enough of a difference for me personally. Brandon, will you be developing your game in Unity? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, this is definitely interesting. Um, I kind of saw this one coming after the mass, mass outreach um, and and outcry from from that. I'm a little surprised it took so long. Uh, not that it took very long at all, but with yeah. the amount of people and the pedigree of some of the studios that were having public letters um, about the disdain for this change, um, 
I was surprised it wasn't fixed in a couple of days. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think they're I th- also having like a community fireside chat that's going to be live or something, which I'm sure is going to be heavily moderated because otherwise sure. you're just going to have a bunch of indie devs telling <laughs> you know they screw off. <laughs> yeah, but I guess no game with less than one million in trailing twelve month revenue will be subject to this fee. Yeah, but. A million sales is a lot of sales for any game. Right. But for a $30 indie game, a million dollars is not that much. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still life-changing money. Sure. But I just feel like that's still pretty low. Yeah. You know, I'm with you. I think that Unity has a huge uh, place in the gaming sphere, um, and I think they won't be going around anywhere. I think they certainly put a stain on their name, but I think that... Too many people use this engine for it to kind of tank uh, the ship. So uh, I guess this is better. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't imagine they would go back on it twice, but I think this is kind of what we're sticking with. And I think that this kind of showed that um, much like a lot of things in the gaming industry, every time a precedent is set, um, you have to kind of (laughs) plan accordingly because things change all the time. And I think that when people are choosing their engine, they're going to be much more careful because anything can change. Um, So. Agreed. Yeah. I I just mostly feel bad for the little guys, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, You know, the uh, fall guys of the world um, (laughs) will probably be all right. Um, the Among Us of the world, even though that's a super small team too. Yeah. Um, but um, I saw people that were releasing their game early because of this. They were like, our game is not done. We can't afford this. So we're just going to put out whatever we have and hopefully you like it because this is it. So that's what I feel the worst about. Um, but yeah, got to think twice, I guess. Anything could happen. Sorry, I had a train going by. I had to keep it muted there for a second. It's still going by, as a matter of fact. You hear it off in the distance. It's like echoing through the valley. Just echoing. It's very <laughs> ominous, the way it's coming through. Like, it's not even bad. It's right. just cool. I'm sure you hate it, but... I mean, it depends on the time of day, honestly. Yeah. He, he loves it. Every, every time he, he hears it, he actually tells me how much he loves it. Yeah, I text Brandon. I'm like, hey... Because you can hear the train from your house, too. Train again. But I'm closer. <laughs> Brandon's like, are you, are you masturbating? <laughs> it's like, God damn it. I know what Ben's doing. <laughs> Fuck. Every Fuck time. Brandon, <laughs> third time today? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, if, it was, if it was only three times a day, that'd be great. The train, not the masturbate. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Backtrack now. Jim Ryan, president and CEO of Sony Interact- Interactive Entertainment and PlayStation, has stated that PlayStation Plus, or PS Plus, is a more meaningful subscription service compared to Xbox Game Pass. In response to questions during a Q&A session with analysts, Ryan made the following points. Microsoft may have attempted to offer publishers minimum revenue guarantees to bring AAA titles to Xbox Game Pass, but Ryan believes this approach hasn't been successful. I don't know. Uh, Ryan claims the publishers are generally not in favor of Xbox Game Pass, considering it value destructive, both for individual titles and the industry as a whole. I don't know about that either. He noted that while Xbox Game Pass has around 25 million subscribers as of January 2023, PS Plus boasts nearly 50 million subscribers, emphasizing the meaningfulness of PlayStation's subscription service. Next, when comparing Sony's acquisition of Bungie for $3.6 million billion, to Microsoft's $69 billion purchase of Activision, he suggested that Bungie could bring more value to PlayStation than Activision to Xbox. Um, there's mm. a, 
There's like there's, 15 different ways to go here. There's a lot going on there. Brandon, you seem to have some thoughts already. Let's let's go. Well, I honestly think maybe Jim started cooking this up the second that that stuff got leaked. And he was like, <laughs> Phil was like, we are in a way better spot than PlayStation at this point. He's like, oh, you know what, motherfucker? De- Destiny's next, man. Fuck Activision. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is some wild stuff for Jim to say off the cuff. I'm confused by what is more meaningful. I guess that that's a very subjective way to put that. Yeah. Um, it's more meaningful to him, I'm sure, um, and maybe to everyone working at PlayStation. Um, but to say that Bungie um, would potentially be uh, a bigger get than Activision just really seems kind of short-sighted in a lot of ways. I do think what he meant there was dollar per dollar. So like dollar paid for dollar by but honestly probably by that metric he he might be right but nonetheless i mean it's kind of like a winning the battle losing the war type of thing with that i mean even if they did pay an exorbitant amount of money i mean you got activision i don't know (laughs) so yeah this is certainly interesting and to say that game pass is value destructive i mean i can't speak to that exactly but i feel like i've heard developers speak the other way about it. I mean, Ben, maybe you have a little bit more insight. I mean, that's not what I would assume and not things that I've heard in the past. Now, obviously, every developer is different um, and would benefit or, you know, not benefit from Game Pass differently. But what are your thoughts on that specifically? I guess the value destructive. I'm curious what you think. I'm kind of torn in a couple of different ways about Game Pass. Uh, as a consumer, I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, as someone who's concerned about the industry, I'm like, some days I feel pretty good about it, and other days I don't. Um, I, I think what value destructive means is that are people going to be as likely to buy a full price game that is not on a subscription service? Um, probably not, if they have the option of the subscription service. And even if that game's not on there. Now, the reality is for me, as someone who just loves video games, and it's uh, at least a small part of my job, um, like, there could be games on Game Pass that I want to play, but, you know, Final Fantasy sixteen came out early, earlier this year. It wasn't on a subscription service. I marched my ass to Target and bought it. Like, I don't know, I still buy it. And that's just one example, but there's, there's plenty of full-price games I still buy. Uh, even though I'm a part of subscription services. Um, I have PlayStation, not PlayStation's highest tier, I have the lowest tier because um, that's what's what's the most valuable to me, but I'm a member of several subscription services and still buy games at full price. Um, So I I, I think I understand because like we, we saw when the, talking about iPhone apps earlier, like, we saw the race to the bottom where apps were coming out at $10 and then they started going down to $5 and then they were a dollar and now they're, then they were free and then they were full of microtransactions. And now, you know, granny spends that million dollars on, on uh, candy crush. <laughs> right. And she could have just bought, you know, 20 years ago, could have just bought, or maybe not 20, but you know what I mean? 15 could have just straight up bought a great game for $10 and had just as much fun or more fun without all the micro so like i understand the the destructive part of it that he's saying i don't know if i agree because of the way the industry is going but i think there's a case to be made um both different ways as far as um dave want to get your thought on this 
he says that publishers are not generally in favor of Game Pass, considering it value destructive. We talked about the value destructive part, but I mean, there's still a hell of a lot of publishers putting their games on Game Pass. And one of the arguments I know that's out there is that these aren't people who think they're going to sell millions of copies of their games. And maybe that's right. Maybe that's true. But does it allow for developers to make some money on their game and then go out and be able to fund their next game? And does it give the consumers a good product? I don't know. What are your thoughts on the do developers like Game Pass? Yeah, I think it's probably got to be sort of a risk reward thing. Um, I, I suspect there's that minimum revenue guarantee that you get from Game Pass, and it's it's like a gamble. I look at a game like Atlas Fallen that came out um, just about a month ago. It's a double A game from uh, I can't the the same people who did um, the Surge Focus Home Entertainment, I think. Um, and, and there's a game where that, that was probably a pretty big budget game and had a lot of voice acting. It was, you know, a large open world game. And that's the sort of thing that would have been perfect for in retrospect for game pass, because, um, I don't think it really was received very well. Certainly not critically. I suspect it didn't sell very well because it came out at a time when a lot of the intention was on other stuff. Um, but I mean, as a developer and a publisher, you really have to make that decision. Are you willing to take that risk of, I'm not going to go with game pass and I'm going to, I'm going to bet on myself and put my game out and hope that, you know, enough people find this game and, and really, really enjoy it and want to pay full price for it. Um, but if that doesn't pay off, like it did with Atlas fallen, then you could end up losing a lot of money. Um, I think for smaller developers, it's just it's if you can get on Game Pass, it's probably a no brainer because not only are you going to get that minimum revenue split, but there's also a uh, a promotional piece that's tied to it, too, where, you know, this week on Game Pass is a big deal because every week, every day, people are looking for new stuff to play that they haven't heard of. That's part of the appeal of Game Pass. And I think if you're a small developer, you you have that opportunity with Game Pass to just be something that someone checks out for an hour and ends up loving um so that exposure piece i think is a no-brainer for small developers but it really is it's it's a tough decision for you know kind of the middle tier um but yeah i don't know i i think jim ryan is is kind of delusional in some ways here um meaningful is i agree with you brandon like it's just what does that mean what are you saying (laughs) And and whether whether you think it's it's valuable or not is kind of irrelevant because if if Game Pass has um, Starfield and Fallout and Doom and Elder Scrolls and Forza and Halo, then it doesn't matter if it's valuable or if it's a good deal for the publishers and developers because everybody's going to be on there. It's kind of like Spotify. If you want people to stream your music, you have to be on the biggest service, and that's going to be the case with Game Pass. So. That you know, you can say what you want, Jim Ryan, to your investors, but you better start making your 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 service better. And it is getting there, but I don't know. Every time this guy opens his mouth, I'm just shaking my head more and more. <laughs> Gold Jimmy, dude. Yeah, I don't know. This is certainly interesting, especially coming off the backs of what we had talked about last week. Um, part of me truly does wonder, and I was joking a little bit at the beginning about. You know, that little statement from Phil last week that we got leaked. But I really wonder if we we would get this press release from Jim this week, if we wouldn't have got last week's episode, last week's little debacle um, with the leaks. So, yeah, it's kind of cool seeing these CEOs kind of be more public. And I feel like we've always seen this a little bit, but um, 
yeah, getting some really, really interesting discourse um, between the two of them, um, not together necessarily, um, but separately. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I said I have a lot of respect for Phil Spencer last week, and I'm not saying that I don't for Jim Ryan. Um, I, I don't know, man. There's some yeah. about Jim. I, I, I don't really mesh with the guy right now, and I'm kind of confused by him in general. Yeah. Um, but clearly he's doing an okay job. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're showing crazy numbers right now. Enough about him, but right. yeah, I'm. I mean, they're doing well, so I guess he's just got to keep on keeping on here. But PlayStation will continue to up its game. Um, but Dave did bring up a good point earlier. They're just going to stick at that price point and just continue to add value, which, by all accounts, might be the smarter of the two decisions than than continuously creeping up. Because wait, wait, stick at what price point? Who is PlayStation? Because yeah. They just, the, they just jacked their prices up like 40%, and I would imagine they'll do it again when they need to. Possibly. When they need to, but I think the point is is it's going to be a while before they need yeah. to because the service just launched a year ago. Right. right. Kind of Let's in hope. its current state. But. So, yeah, we'll see. And, I mean, this is obviously developing every single day, and there seems to be relatively no rhyme or reason to these price increases, whether it be for the console. Um, now, there, there is rhymes and reasons, but um, they just kind of come out of nowhere. So, yeah, we'll see how it unfolds. Three things before we move on. One, Big Frankie says, I only played Starfield because it was on Game Pass. And, Same. Um, I know a lot of people who did that. Um, the next topic is actually going to be about Starfield. But uh, Benji Bob says, I wonder what the Game Pass numbers will be once the Xbox Live conversion happens. Um, which, by the way, I think that has already taken place. Yeah, wasn't Maybe it? it hasn't actually taken place. Is it October? Maybe blood, it was October. Blood, but, blood, Bloodborne on PC. <laughs> <laughs> Why you should play says Jim raised prices to afford to put Bloodborne on PC. Oh, if only. Uh, and the other thing I was going to mention is that I was just like sitting here playing with this. I have your chopsticks, chopsticks dude. on my desk. Uh, I was eating something with chopsticks the other day, and apparently I took the bowl down, but the chopsticks remained on my desk. So um, there you go. It's one hell of a utensil. Very, uh, very versatile. I Absolutely. Actually, they're really not that versatile, I suppose. Dude, they are, bro. Speaking of Starfield, a mod called Slower Than Light by Modder 105 Gun allows players <laughs> to achieve seamless space travel in Bethesda Starfield, similar to No Man's Sky. Here's how it works. The mod enables players on PC to control their ship's speed gear using hotkeys. The maximum speed allows for incredibly fast travel between planets without load times. It eliminates the need to fast travel and navigate menus when traveling between locations. It adds a new dimension to Starfield's gameplay experience, providing faster and more immersive space travel. While it doesn't offer planets, planet landing like No Man's Sky, it enhances the game's exploration aspect. I'm sure that will be another mod or an addition to this mad mod eventually. Starfield has seen several quality of life mods since its release, including FOV sliders and improved UI developments. Um, so for, for you guys who, um, who pushed out of Starfield, because yeah, there's not enough exploration <laughs> in this game. Uh, does this appeal to you at all, Brandon? I know Dave is, is still running off his old Series S. Yeah. Um, but you know, as as a PC player, is that going to help fix the game for you? Yeah, I mean, Since you can't just hit X L uh, R and land somewhere. Come on, I can. It's just boring. Um. <laughs> oh, don't, forgive me. I would rather I would rather fly through space for two hours to get to my destination rather than just hit a button and be there. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Fuck. You lost me, Ben. You <laughs> you, you made me lose myself in the anger. Um. Sorry. No, this won't fix it. 
Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very interesting mod, and I find it. Um, I I may have said this last week, but I find it very interesting that people are seamlessly able to um, do things that I think are super meaningful to the overall experience of the game pretty easily, yeah. um, and with very little. Um, performance problems let's say that um so it really does make me wonder why they chose some of the things they did i guess this is really cool i saw another mod um where you can actually leave your spaceship and fly around in open space like i saw someone doing that Um, but there's nothing to do in open space so i'm not sure if that adds value but it is cool for sure yeah but like it could have is what i'm saying absolutely so yeah it's they said it before the game came out. It's going to be really interesting to see what people are able to do with the mods for this game. Um, but I think it's pretty telling. And th- this isn't me bashing it, I promise. It kind of is. But <laughs> that within the first two months, we're getting things that are seemingly drastically improving people's experiences um, that aren't natively supported in the game um and things that kind of just are like head scratching like field of view um and and brightness um yeah you can adjust gamma but um those are things like like some of the stuff like i really don't understand the problem with the the fast travel with the loading screen whatever i don't have a problem with that i understand how people could but whatever that's a that's a baby thing to me but the no fov slider no brightness no like all that stuff that's just quality of life for 15 years now yeah come yeah. on and yeah. and like the big booty mod uh, that they talked about in the discord of course you know just yeah. to c- completely ha- in the discord heinously omitted from the vanilla version of the game yeah um so dave uh slower than light a mod that would interest you or is that really not your issue with the game uh, I, I mean, it's a step in the right direction, but I kind of wonder, like, is Bethesda intentionally making obtuse design decisions and, <laughs> and do, just doing weird things so modders can fix their game? Yeah. Um, That's kind of a shtick. It's just yeah. frustrating because, like, No Man's Sky and, like, Everspace, a game I recently played, they just did this so much better. And, it mm-hmm. like, these games are, like good examples of how you should do space exploration and i suspect somebody at bethesda have, has played one of these games before mm-hmm. i love with everspace where like you pick somewhere to go and as your ship is flying there like you're not really controlling this ship but if something like if you fly by something interesting happen it will pop up on like your screen and you can decide to veer off course and go do that thing and like i don't know bethesda just said this should be a load screen so yeah, no, I, I don't like the idea that I have to give my PC potentially an STD in order to fix something <laughs> that Bethesda just decided not to do. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I will say that um, specifically, there there still does end up being a very small, it's actually smaller than normal load screen, but instead of going into the menu to select where you want to go, if you move your ship around and look in the direction of that, like where the little blue dot is, and then you click a button. There's like a cool sequence that happens. And then your ship like actually goes into like, you know, a wormhole or whatever and flies out there. And then there's a short loading screen before you land in front of the planet. That's not the way a lot of people are playing it. I've noticed as I've watched some streams and talked to other people, they're like going into the menu, clicking where they want to go. And then they just end up there. And I understand, like, I never even did it that way. I only ever did it the way where I like look in the direction of the thing I want to go to and tell my, tell it to travel there. 
so once I started doing it from the menu just to see what the experience was like, I was like, oh, yeah, this kind of sucks. But um, it is it is much better the other way. Uh, can we, but it's can, still not good. It's yeah, still not good compared to what it could be. Thanks. Can we agree on something, <laughs> fellows? So like in January, February, when I am inevitably uh, a Redfall apologist, you guys will listen to me, right? You'll you'll amuse me like we're like we're amusing Ben right now. I will. Uh, I, I will, will for sure. I will amuse you. you. Um, <laughs> did you say abuse or amuse? Because I will do one of them. Yes. I both. Okay. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. With the chopsticks. I don't know who has it worse off. The Gollum or the Redfall. Both are pretty bad. I can't give up yet, though, boys. Neither can you, Dave. There's still time. For those who don't know, we have we have placed bets. Um, if Brandon plays Call of Duty this year... Even boots it, let's say that. He must buy and purchase... If he, he watches must, he must, a stream... Dude, you you cannot put me. You know I'm gonna watch a stream, dude. You you can't get me to that, dude. Anyway, if he if he plays Modern Warfare three, he must buy and complete Gollum. Um, we tried to get him to do it on stream, and he wouldn't. And Dave, if he does not get to three gold medals, oh, God damn, medal, Dave. whatever they are, why three? in Gran Turismo, uh, then he has to play ten hours of Redfall next year. Ten hours. Um, that was that was the agreement. Okay, I'm sorry that you didn't notice that when we made your golem agreement, but that was the agreement. Ten hours, <laughs> Ten hours. review on the fucking play. I'm pulling up the episode, dude. I gotta finish <laughs> my game. I mean, Fuck, your game is probably only ten hours long. So it's a platinum. It. Don't you even <laughs> say that. I'm I'm double reviewing the play now. Sekro has hit ten million copies. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but they announced it on uh, on their webpage. Uh, I use Google Translate to read it. Uh, I'm not going to read it because it just says we hit 10 million copies sold. Brandon, you're a huge Sekiro fan, as am I. Um, that's pretty big. I mean, I know Elden Ring from them went on to way higher sure. numbers, but Sekiro was uh, was not the cultural phenomenon. Yeah, and it's also, by most accounts, a way more... I don't want to say way more niche because they all are kind of niche. And before Elden Ring, I kind of... Uh, you know, just assume that they were all niche, but you can't really argue with 10 million copies. Um, and the pedigree of From Software keeps growing every single year. Um, I saw some numbskulls uh, arguing about Game of the Year this year and to think that Armored Core would not get nominated. I'm like, bro, they make some of the best, most highest selling games, period. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is great, man. I love FromSoft and they make amazing games. And congrats to them because uh, Sekiro is fantastic. Um, I have here, I had a story about Payday 3 being botched and messed up. I don't know yeah, if either of you so had bad. anything significant to say about that, really. I just wanted to acknowledge that they said, yeah, we know it's messed up and we don't know when it's going to be fixed, uh, which sucks. Yeah, that's that's really bad. Game Pass trash. You know, what do you expect? You know, you <laughs> yeah, put a game dude. on a subscription service, it goes to die. Okay? Dude, th- this is what Jim's talking about, about the superior <laughs> product right here, guys. Um, no, but I saw a, a, a really funny photo that was like the second you boot up Payday 3, it asked for your email and password. Like the what? first thing I saw someone that, that was like, this is exactly how I want to start every game that I ever play is asking for my email and password. So six million um, people canceled their Game Pass subscription and pre-ordered Marathon in one day tomorrow. <laughs> what a what what a turn. Interesting. Difference. I I want to try it though. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I have it downloaded actually, but then I, I saw some issues. Yeah, I have it downloaded, so we can check yeah. it out sometime. I've got another buddy who wanted me to try it with him, and uh, well, that hasn't happened yet. I just downloaded it. 
that's what I do with Game Pass a lot of times, is I'll download a game and then it'll sit there for a week or two and I'm like, I'm not going to play this. Thank God it's not Unity. That's, that's right. <laughs> Thank God it's not from Unity, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, it doesn't have an offline mode, apparently, I read, um, which I guess kind of makes sense because it is, uh, I don't know. I, I, did, I only barely played Payday 2 in the past. So, uh, Overwatch 2 has faced numerous challenges. Many, many challenges, including changes to its post-launch support plans and discontent amongst players. However, Blizzard is actively working to address issues related to toxic behavior and cheating in the game. One significant change is the removal of the unfiltered text chat option, which allowed harmful language and phrases. Don't understand how that made it all these years in Overwatch, by the way. Uh, However, Blizzard is working. uh, That's I already read that part. Players using the setting have been moved to the mature option. Um, Blizzard is also targeting offensive name tags and custom games. They've implemented AI technology to verify reports of disruptive voice chat. Dude, um, don't gloss over that because the same okay. shit is happening in Call of Duty. Reread oh, really? that again. Blizzard is targeting offensive name tags and custom games. They have implemented AI technology to verify reports of disruptive voice chat, which has shown positive results in improving player behavior. So what you essentially are saying is that... and I'm. I can't say for 100% certain. I know this is Activision, so it would make a lot of sense. I swear I saw uproar in the Call of Duty community about the same thing. Now they're going to be putting AI in the voice chat. And if you say things too bad in Call of Duty or in Overwatch, this AI can pick you up and potentially punish you or suspend you. Or tickle your toes. One of the, one of the three <laughs> options. Um, but this is this is concerning to me. I, so I think that's. No, I want to hear why you think it's concerning. I think that's a good thing. You think it's good. But it scares me. That, because no, it, yes. One, what are they going to do with my voice? And yes. two, what is too bad? Granted, there's yes. things I think we can all agree on that are not okay. Certainly. But there's plenty of stuff that I'm like. I know there's some companies out there that wouldn't like that. Is that going to get me moderated? I don't know. Yeah. And I think overall there is good to come of something like this, but I think there's also potentially a lot of uh, implications that I don't really like that are associated with it. Um, not, 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 not to say it couldn't be used for good, but I don't love the idea of this mega corporation um, using AI to scan my voice and monitor what I say for any reason. Um, um, and whatever I say should be up to me. Brandon's good, voice is going to be the bad. voice of the next hero. You can already see it. I would take that. Um, <laughs> in fact, that probably should be banned if that happens. Yeah. But um, Let me just finish reading this real quick. Ahead. Regarding cheating, Blizzard reports that since Overwatch 2's launch, they have detected and banned over 250,000 accounts for cheating. They have also identified and banned accounts that frequently group with cheaters. Blizzard emphasizes the importance of player reports and maintaining a positive gaming environment. And they say they're working on more timely feedback on reported actions against against misconduct. Um, the game still has a huge audience, surprisingly. It, it does, but I, Lauren follows a lot of people on Overwatch. I see cheating videos like every single day on Overwatch, and they were so fucking like strict about that shit, IP banning people. Yeah. I don't know how it's possible. And some of the cheating I watch on these videos that we watch together, so blatant. Like, not even questionable. Um, but... Yeah, and banning somebody for frequently playing. See, that's also kind of subjective, is it not? I mean, I think if you're grouping up with known cheaters, there's a pretty good chance you're doing something nefarious or at least turning a blind eye to someone doing something nefarious. I'd say if you're like 
you know, if you're is playing it, with them as a group all the time. Is, but, it your, is it your fault your buddy's cheating? No, but I think if I had a buddy who was cheating in a game and I knew it, I wouldn't play with them anymore. Guess we're not I'd playing still be anymore, their buddy. Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'd still be their buddy, but I don't think I'd... I don't know. I don't find cheating the idea of it appealing or fun. Like, I... I'm, I'm not gonna cast somebody out of society for cheating in a video game, whatever. But like a leper, yeah, like a leopard. Wait, that's different. <laughs> um, but I just I've never understood how being the best and never having any frustration over constantly dying is fun. And I don't know. Maybe it's because I've never been good at the game. I'm not sure. But you're doo doo. Guys, any other thoughts on uh, on the train wreck that is Overwatch 2 and has been for a while? I can't say too much. Poot's going to gift me Call I was of Duty. just about to say, if you I can't say too anymore, much. I cannot. Screw you over. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. We don't have to talk about this terribly long, but SAG-AFTRA members have voted overwhelmingly, 98.32%, for a strike authorization in their interactive media agreement negotiations. This doesn't immediately trigger a strike, but gives the union leverage. Key issues include inflation-adjusted wages, fair, AI use safeguards, fair, and safety, fair. The vote aims to pressure companies to make progress in upcoming negotiations with the next session scheduled for September 26th to 28th. Fran Drescher, who's been leading the, um, the union, highlighted the importance of fair agreements given industry profits. So this is the sag after strikes kind of coming over into video game actors, uh, voice artists, motion capture, all that kind of stuff. Um, and just saying that they have given authorization for a strike, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a strike if the negotiations go forward. Um, well, Dave, um, your thoughts on, well, I guess, sh you know, the things they're asking for and the, the video game industry and unions and I don't know, just your thoughts. AI is slowly changing the world. Yeah. I say slowly, but this has happened really, really fast. Um, it was just about a year ago that we all discovered ChatGPT and started fucking around with it. And now it's led to Fran Drescher, of all people, <laughs> standing up. <laughs> and to, but it, I don't know. This is crazy. And I, I don't really think we felt the effects of this kind of labor action yet, but we yeah. will. Yeah. And it, it's it's going to have happen in the most privileged way possible, but we're going to feel it, especially in video games um, where I don't think, you know, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that so much of what goes into video games is writing and acting, mm -hmm. um, you know, not just voice acting, but also a lot of the green screen stuff, um, motion capture. So, um, yeah, I think the next six months are going to be very interesting, both to see what actually happens with this strike and when we start to see sort of that lull in in new productions actually coming out, whether it be TV, film, or video games. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought this was going to go away pretty quick, but evidently it hasn't. And uh, SAG is serious. Well, I think I think the, um, the SAG entertainment and, well, I guess the movies and TV actors, I think that part of it is going away more quickly. I think there's been some resolution or some movement toward. I, I don't. I haven't followed it that closely, but I think um, they did settle. Is, yeah, this is getting the video game actors more involved, which I, right. their contracts I assume are a little different. But Brandon, um, your thoughts on the the labor strikes or potential labor strikes for video games? No, I'm 
I'm all about it. And I'm glad to see that there's been support for this sort of thing. Um, if we want good actors to continue to be in video games and not Megan Fox's voice in Mortal Kombat <laughs> 1, um, we will continue to fight for this I, sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> I saw a clip of her in it Dude, and I was like, oh, my God. God. She filmed this in her closet or like record this in her closet? Dude, some of it actually... a script? Some of it actually sounds like AI. Like somebody yeah. fed a, a Megan Fox AI. Uh, it's really Megan that Fox bad. Megan Fox is an AI, she, by the way. I, I would believe that. Yeah. Um, but no, I think this is good. Um, I'm glad to see video games aren't off the table for this sort of movement um, and that the people that work so hard on these things could potentially be paid fairly or what they deem fair. Um, I don't say that in a condescending way, a, a genuine way for sure. Um, so I, I do agree with Dave wholeheartedly. I will be interested to see the fallout that all of this causes. If it is a prolonged process, um, we could potentially see large windows of games being delayed, um, which actually is nothing new anymore. So I guess it won't change almost anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is nothing but good. I think that we should pay the people. Um, and really, the people that are striking here are some of the most important people to the video game industry um, and that's not to minimize other roles that wouldn't be a part of this specifically but um, you know having them paid fairly is very important um, and will continue to ensure the success of video games and the quality of video games so nothing but good things here and I'm glad to see that you know there is a way forward hopefully and uh, you know if we're lucky it won't take too long to get this fixed so let's move on to round out the show well, what a pack show. We're already going a little long here, but that's okay. Um, let's talk about what we've been playing. Brandon, let's start with you this week. Yeah, honestly, I've been playing the exact same shit I was playing last week, so I'm going to be kind of brief. I'm going to start with the things that are least interesting. Baldur's Gate 3, I'm not going to talk more about it other than Act 3, continues to be a banger. Uh, very tough decisions in Act 3. I have had to take my time significantly with Act 3 because there are things that are obviously the last act game altering um, at this point so it's you mean, been when you say take your time you mean save scumming like hell yes yeah. save scumming as much as humanly possible and if anybody shames me sorry but you're wrong uh, it's my game uh, if you want to play it your way you can <laughs> but uh, now it's been really good and I have not experienced any crashes since uh, tuning down my settings significantly even in the most dense place in the entire game well you totally uh, uninstalled and reinstalled too right I did as well yeah. yes so clean slate Knocked down my settings. Been really good. So back into Armored Core 6. I've been going really strong. This is going to be the next thing I'm going to beat. I'm really hoping to have it done by next week. I'm in Chapter 3 of 5. I think I am very close to the end of Chapter 3. Um, it's not an incredibly long game, so I'm hoping to kind of get that rounded out. Um, no new thoughts on that, but uh, Mortal Kombat 1. I finished this yesterday. Um, so it didn't take me terribly long. General thoughts about Mortal Kombat 1 is that... Um, my gut reaction is that I like Mortal Kombat 11 better, um, but I don't want that to take away from Mortal Kombat 1. I know it sounds very reductive, but I promise it's not. This game has a really cool story. Um, there were some questionable decisions in the story. I don't like how they fragmented some of the battles, especially the last battle. Um, I'm not going to go into it, but it was super cool and like an awesome set piece, and I feel like if you play it, you'll know what I mean. It kind of got broken up in weird ways. Um, I saw some people talking about how strange it was that they completely restarted the entire story of Mortal Kombat. Um, and I will say that's probably the 
best and one of the weakest parts. Well, they had the retcon in Megan Fox. Exactly. So. Exactly. And that's the worst part I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but it simultaneously made some absolutely awesome moments in the story happen, but also some of the weirdest moments in the story at the same time. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, but I will say overall, this game is amazing. Would highly, highly recommend it. And as someone who is a fan of the Mortal Kombat series, I would 100% recommend it for anyone who's interested. Um, did you so, buy it physically? I did. You could yeah. borrow it for I'll sure. I'll be hitting you up soon. Absolutely. But um, closing thoughts are that um, Mortal Kombat 11, I don't know if you guys ever played it, but there was this thing called The Crypt. Do you guys remember The Crypt? Yeah. At the time, I didn't think I would miss The Crypt. I thought it was kind of weird and like cool overall. The new mode that's the equivalent of the crypt in this, I don't like at all, boys. And I'm really sad to say um, there is kind of a lack of there's like three things, four things that you can really do in this game. Uh, and I really wish the crypt came back. So uh, the main way to get cosmetics and kind of progress after the story's done is to either play online do towers or do this thing called invasion. Um, and I need to keep trying it. I've only played for maybe like an hour and a half, two hours in invasion. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit weird. I think they made it way more accessible and easy to understand, but that was kind of the coolest parts of the crypt was that it was weird and mysterious and there were cool things around every corner. So I, I'm really interested to get it in your hands, Ben, because I want to see what you think. But overall, love, love, love this game. Um, a lot of really cool additions, some really cool stuff they did with the story. And man, oh man, if you got an HDR TV and you got a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, god damn, this game's going to look good on your, uh, on your machine, especially the HDR. The colors pop off the screen. It is nice. so vibrant and... Uh, yeah, man. Just really, really enjoy the time I had. I'll I'll definitely be playing it some more. So nice, Dave. How about you? Um, so I've been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Three. Damn, um, hell yeah! Yeah, bit of a callback. Um, I'm really excited for Mirage. I started kind of like met on it, and the closer we've gotten, the more excited. I guess this is the most excited I've been for a game since Redfall. Um, so we all know how that went. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I really, really, really like Assassin's Creed 3. It's one of my favorite games in the series. And I don't mean to get nostalgic, but I, I do kind of want to talk about why I like it so much. Please um, do. My, it was during like my the, the, the peak in my interest in the series. Like I had just kind of burned through the Ezio saga. I loved it, but I was so excited for the series to try something new. And, you know, Ezio's story was great, but... I really like the idea that we were going to get a brand new setting, um, a new protagonist, and I really like what we got. Um, I was concerned, like before I actually played Assassin's Creed 3, that the, um, you know, we were going from a very built up sort of historic area in um, Renaissance Italy and Constantinople. And I just thought, like, what the developers did with the frontier was so creative, where, like, okay, we're not going to have a whole, like, a whole bunch of, like, buildings for you to parkour across, but how can we do something that's, you know, just as fun and interesting, but, like, has its own personality? And that was the frontier, where you had, like, the tree parkour. 
And yeah, it's really been fun going back to Assassin's Creed 3. I think Assassin's Creed 3 was one of the last games I went to a midnight opening for. And if I recall correctly, it launched the same night uh, that Hurricane Sandy was hitting. So I'll never forget like driving to EB Games while like we were getting the the storm and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like it's really bad weather and I have to drive all the way across my town to go to this one EB games that's open for, for midnight opening for Assassin's Creed three. But yeah, I really enjoyed going back. I've also wanted to play an older Assassin's Creed just to kind of reacclimate myself to the older style. I'm not an idiot. I know that a lot of what Ubisoft has been saying about like, this is like a back to basics, uh, a back to, you know, what made Assassin's Creed so good. I know a lot of that is just going to be marketing. I know that this Assassin's Creed Mirage is uh, built in the Valhalla engine. It's going to feel a lot like that, but I do recognize that um, it's going to be more stealth. So I'm excited to kind of see like what the old school stealth was. That's now going to be fresh in my mind versus what the uh, we're going to get with Mirage. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm having fun with Assassin's Creed 3. I'm not going to fish or, in, or anything. I'm just um, you know playing with it a little bit before Mirage comes out. But yeah, if you if you haven't go go look in your library in your digital library or whatever. If you if you've got old games kicking around and play something you loved and and um, yeah, it's it's fun to go back to old games sometimes, which is what I'm doing right now. Uh, Ed in chat says it's smart of Dave to play the worst old Assassin's Creed to give Mirage a better chance. Okay, so you um, think Assassin's Creed Unity is better than Assassin's Creed 3. That's all. Assassin's Creed 3. First time we left Italy, uh, it, it, it's the game that started the naval combat. That's where it all started. Uh, new protagonist. It had hunting. It had the, the, the frontier. I don't need to explain this to you because clearly you don't like the game, but I don't know. I think I think Assassin's Creed Three is one of the best in the in the series. Assassin's Creed Four all the way. It's good, I guess, but yeah, I, something about Assassin's Creed Three. I just really like it. What's making you more excited for Mirage than you were? I don't know. It's just been uh, like I love the series. I, I've loved and hated it, but overall, I, I I really like the series. And it's been two or three years since we had a new one, and I'm just seeing some of the footage that's come out, and I'm. I'm I'm getting excited, and now that I'm I've gone back to you know one of the pre-origins Assassin's Creed game, I'm like okay, I'm ready for a game like this with less janky movement. So it's like, you know, as good as the old Assassin's Creed were, they were like super heavy. They made you feel like not as nimble as the assassin should feel. And I I'm hoping that with, um, you know, this being in the Valhalla engine, that it it you know, you feel a little bit more nimble and, and improved. So I'm looking forward to that sort of melding of, of worlds. But yeah, I'm just excited. My favorite Assassin's Creed games will always be the Ezio trilogy. Um, but I think part of that is just nostalgia, perhaps. Um, I don't know. I, I played all of them up until Origins, I think. Um I, I literally was looking a year ago now for the Ezio trilogy on PS4 and somebody ended up gifting it to me and um, they had had it and it was unopened. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to play this right away. It's still unopened uh, after me having it for a year after them having it for who knows how long. So I'll get back and play those old games again someday. But today is not that day. This week I've been playing, uh, following in Dave's footsteps. I, I downloaded Monster Hunter now. Uh, Dave, you didn't mention it uh, in your games. Does that mean you're not playing it anymore? 
I still, I'm still playing it, but okay. I didn't think it was noteworthy. That's fine. It's not noteworthy. Um, <laughs> it sucks. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. It's Pokemon Go, but Monster Hunter. Um, it's cool because like I don't leave my house, and even around my house, there's a lot of different things to click on, and the environment changes. So even if you're in one spot, the environment will change, and you can get different kinds uh, of monsters. Um, I'm playing it, but I don't care about it at all, which is weird because I really wanted to because I like Monster Hunter as a concept. So I don't know. I'm uh, I'm playing it. It's probably going to be fun for a couple weeks and then I'll be done. I think I'm level 20 now, if that means anything to you, Dave. I don't know. Yeah, I'm about the same. Yeah, I think I just hit 20 the other day. Yeah. It's just fun to like you when you park your car at like a store and you're like, oh, I'm just going to flip open monster hunter now and see what monsters are running around a lot of time there's nothing but sometimes there's something i don't remember the last time i drove um so no i do well it's probably been two weeks since i drove i I went somewhere with my wife recently but uh i really don't like i want to leave my house more i just don't have a reason to dude i envy your life man if i could do that i would don't i you don't you don't envy my life actually the last time i drove might have been when i met you at the park with the dogs brandon that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, other than that, I finished Starfield this week. And when I say finished, I mean I finished the main story and decided to put it down for a little while. After about 55, maybe 60 hours um, of Starfield, I know that makes the two of you... I hear that's where the game gets really good is when you that's, put it down. I mean, that's where I was having fun. <laughs> when you put it down. <laughs> Bro. I, um, no, I had, I had a lot of fun the entire way through. There did get to be a point where I was like, I'm going to spend too much time playing this game and I want to play other games. So for a single-player game, um, I was okay with with finishing up the main story. And I started New Game Plus, played a couple hours of that, and then deleted it. So at some point, I'll probably come back to it, especially as they open up more mods and stuff like that. But I had a blast with it the whole way through. I didn't finish all of the different quest lines or the different faction quests. Um, I'm leaving that for New Game Plus. Um, I had a ton of fun with the building in it, which you guys know that base building is something I very much enjoy. Um, So I think my overall thoughts on the game are I loved it, but there are a lot of problems with it. And I don't think the game is where it should have been after so long in development and after Bethesda having so much. I don't mean technically necessarily. I mean, like, why am I still having these conversations with people where the entire scene stops, I zoom in on their face and I get four options for text and they're just looking at me with a blank stare. Like, haven't we moved past that, Bethesda? You have a whole new engine now. You've been working on this game for like, I don't know, six or seven years that we know of. Um, I don't know. That kind of stuff just bugs me. The, the, a lot of the stuff that people say bugs them doesn't bug me. I don't mind it. I don't mind the fast travel. Uh, the loading screens take less than four seconds generally on my PC. So I don't mind that. Um, people talk about no exploration. I just went to shit that didn't even have a name and, or maybe it did have a name, but not like a, it was like this planet number four. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I would go there and find like interesting things. Um, I did a lot of base building and stuff like that. So like, I love every bit of Starfield, but there are so many things with it where I'm like, wow, if they had done this differently, this game would have gone from me thinking it's very good to amazing. And that's for me, the bigger disappointment. I would have rather, I would have rather not liked it than had, than liked it and 
felt disappointed that they hadn't changed things in the last since oblivion like there's just stuff there that just doesn't make sense to me that this huge monumental studio hasn't done differently uh i booted up lies of p last night and played for a few hours uh got past the first like i think big boss um really like it i like the demo when it came out i felt like the dodging and blocking weren't up to par and i tell you they feel a lot better now than they did in the demo so i don't know if that's me having a different adjustment to it or if the game dramatically improved things uh, at least from my perspective improved them uh, but either way i'm having fun with it it it's a Soulsborne-esque game, so with most of those games, uh, I fall off after 20, 30 hours, so we'll see if that happens here. I really like that there is a story that is uh, cohesive, at least so far, uh, whereas most of the time... that That's the reason I get bored of Souls games. I liked Sekiro because it had more of a story, although still not much of one. Um, Elden Ring, there was just so much out. I put 30 hours in it and went away. So we'll see if I spend more time with this than that. But so far, it's it's a lot of fun. And I like some of the the fact that they've kept so much of what... Um, they, they, they've taken so much inspiration from those style of games. They've done it well. And they've also added new mechanics in that aren't present in any of the previous Souls-style games that we've seen in the past. So that's been a little bit refreshing for me. And that's pretty much it. That's all I've been playing. That's, That's it. what we've all been playing. That's it. And now we're the Monster Hunter boys, Dave. That's it. That's that's all she wrote, I guess. Uh, that's pretty much it for the show, uh, as always, or maybe not as always, but uh, for the second week in a row. I'll stick around at least. I don't know if the other guys need to get going, uh, but I'll stick around for a few minutes at least to chat with everybody for the podcast. That's all she wrote for this week. Don't forget, you can support us over on Patreon at Handsome Phantom. No, sorry, Patreon.com. It's literally right in front of me. I'm looking at it, <laughs> reading it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Handsome Phantom. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month if you would like to for ad-free early audio access to the show and just to be our best friends. That's really the biggest thing. And to be even further ingratiated with us, you can hang out on Discord over at HandsomePhantom.com slash Discord. Thank you for listening. We're live on YouTube at Ben is Handsome YT every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. And we're on free feeds on Thursday mornings, early in the morning, something like that. That's all I got for you. Have a great night. We'll see you next time. The HP podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Rainick, Christian Snow, Gravelicious, Benji Bop, and Johnny Waffles.